This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Hello everyone, it's Monday night. That means the uh, Big Monday show with my co-host, Mr. Barry Spears. Barry is here. Barry, how are you? What's happening? It's Monday. It's Monday. It's almost Thanksgiving. Lord, where has the time gone? It's almost Thanksgiving. The Breeders' Cup is over. Every single horse that's an intact male has been retired to stud. Um... (laughs) Or it just seems like that. Um, Phillies, Phillies go to go through the the broodmare sales, bring nine million, and then get sent back to racing. So, how bizarre! It's kind of crazy. Uh, it's it's nice. It's nice to see. But uh, today, Echo Town was retired. Echo Town, who raced one season, won one big race, uh, got. <laughs> Got you know, crushed. I, I just can't imagine people lining up for those Echo Town babies. Yeah, he got, he got crushed in the worst Breeders' Cup sprint maybe ever. And they said, you know what? Hey, let's breed him. I mean, listen, I have to be honest. I, I don't know what the status of the horse is. Maybe the horse got a bad ankle or a knee or he, he's got some physical problems that would prevent him from competing at the top level or they just didn't want to get through this, you know, couple months and then get stuck but it's just kind of um it's a shrinking business that seems like the stallion um the people who stand stallions haven't recognized it's a shrinking business and uh you know it's just another sign of uh the apocalypse of 2020 and horse racing i guess but uh but that's the way it goes and uh I gotta say, like you said, I mean, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of people saying, "Damn, I wish Echo Town had stayed around one more year and raced in the Count Fleet or something." We do have we do have Whitmore coming back though. That's good. So. so. Well, I guess it, you know, if if Into Mischief can throw out winners like like he has been, anybody has a shot, right? Into Mischief has, has done pretty damn well. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's ironic you say that, you bring him up, because today is actually the 30th anniversary of the death of the single most uh, influential stallion of, of the last hundred years, and that would be uh, Northern Dancer. Northern Dancer, yeah. Um it's kind of frightening when you look up, you know, when you consider that Northern Dancer had books of 40 or, you know, 40 plus mares, um, less than 50 probably most the most years, and, and his whole career, he never really had more than that. So, the number of horses that he actually sired himself. He was only the leading sire in America, North America, a couple times 
he was the leading sire in, in um, Ireland and, and the UK, I think, four times. So it wasn't the... Uh, and he was always hurt as a leading sire prospect because so many of his horses were, were divvied up. Um, you know, it's tough in America back then, especially in the 70s, as a, you know, a primarily a turf sire when half of your foals are probably heading over to Europe to race. So you don't have a whole lot of, of, of you know, the numbers that you would have um, another sire might might have, but his influence is just frightening. When when you Tremendous. when you look at some of the numbers, it just seems, um, j- just okay. Horses by Northern Dancer that they're from that line, you know, either directly by him or or by him through his sons. Have won twenty nine Epsom Derbies. They've won six Kentucky Derbies, twelve Preaknesses, eight Belmonts, ten Kentucky Oaks. Um, Quite a resume. They've won the Irish Derby thirty five times. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like <laughs> absurd. They've won the Australian Derby fifteen times. Those are just the three year old races. They won the Dubai World Cup six times. The the Champions Mile in Hong Kong ten times. The Queen Elizabeth Cup in Hong Kong seventeen times. The Met Mile seven times. Um, the King George and Queen Elizabeth Stakes in, in the UK twenty six times. Uh, the Pacific Classic, which isn't that old of a race, they, he's won eight times. Um, the Arc twenty five times. Uh, in Australia, the Cox Plate, which is the second biggest race outside of the, the Melbourne Cup, um, he, he's won that, or horses uh, by by him or by his sons have won 14 times. 22 Breeders' Cup miles, 19 Breeders' Cup turfs, 11 distaffs, 6 classics, 5 Japan Cups, the Melbourne Cup 13 times. That's, a, that's unreal. The Cheltenham Gold Cup, which is a jump race. They've won 11. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm going to read you horses. And this is U.S. mostly. The the branch of the Northern Dancer line that was um, from Stormbird, who, okay. ironically enough, was you know, had most of his racing success in, in the U.K. Um, Stormbird... Who is the sire of Stormcat? Who is the sire of Harlan? Who is the sire of Harlan's Holiday? Who is the sire of Majestic Perfection? And also the sire of Into Mischief? Who is the sire of Authentic? Tabasco Cat. There it is. There it is. Right? Tabasco Cat. That's crazy. Sardula. Hennessy. Johannesburg. Scat Daddy. Justify. Wise Dan. Henny Hughes. Beholder. Tale of the Cat. Lionheart. Stop Charging Maria, Forestry, Shackleford, Cat Thief, um, Teppin, Giant's Causeway, <laughs> Lope de Vega. Uh, Pretty much anybody that's been good. Tar- Tarwana. If you want to get, you know, real uh, recent. Uh, Escondrea, Mitoli, Bricks and Mortars, 
pure prize, Indian skimmer, summer squall, charismatic. That is just the Stormbird <laughs> segment of of his line, and, and it's like you, you just you know it, it, it's amazing. I, I was looking up about I don't know three four months ago. Um, I got into conversation with someone about Mr. Prospector, and how he was not considered. Um, you know, Mr. Prospector wasn't considered a top prime um, stallion prospect. He, he stood originally in Florida and moved to Kentucky once it, the, he was extremely successful. But he was primarily a sprinter. I mean, Northern Dancer won the Kentucky Derby. He was a great horse. He, he, he won 14 of 18 starts. So it's not as though he... Um, I mean, he, he wasn't a surprise, but he also was very small in stature. He wasn't a big, you know, hulking stallion that, um, that you, you would think, like, when you think about who would be a great, uh, you know, who would be the top influence. You would think a big, strong, you know, kind of stormcat-looking sire, but Northern Dancer was not really that big. I mean, the, <laughs> it just, you, you could... You the, you could list the great horses by him, and, and it's just you know it, it's just amazing. Uh, Najinsky. I mean, we, we we've named three or four triple crown winners, not just you know great stake horses. I mean, triple crown winners. Um, Strawberry Road, Phrase. Um, uh, there, there's so many European horses. It, it's just crazy. Sadler's Wells. Um, like nowadays, you look at uh, uh, some of the the lines that came from the Sadler's Wells line: El Prado, who produced Magla de Oro, who produced Rachel Alexandra and Songbird, um, and Kitten's Joy, and Borrego and Artie Schiller. Um, you just there's there's so many. Uh, Trave was was that of that line. Um, <laughs> It's just kind of scary, and when you hear people talk about how great um, Into Mischief is, and Into Mischief is, is a very, very good stallion. No, there's no doubt about it. But um, you know, don't don't forget as well the Saddler's Well line uh, led to Galileo, and everything um, you know that that he's doing through his sons. Unbelievable. He, he's a uh, horse. Twilight Payment won the uh, the Melbourne Cup, which was held a couple of weeks ago by Teofilo, um, <laughs> just the, the, the fright of Frankel is that, that, that same line, you know, you just, uh, uh, Goldakova, um, the great order of Australia, the Breeders' Cup mile winner, who I left off the ticket, uh, found <sighs> just, uh, just an amazing legacy. And there was a, an article in the Pollock Report about um, about Tisnow, who has now been pensioned, how the line, there, there was three founding stallions, and two of the lines from the original founding stallions, that Tisnow is the Godolphin Arabian line, are almost, um, they're, they're almost extinct in that there just isn't that much uh, of those lines left, uh, that that line leads through Man of War, 
who, wow. though a great horse, was not as great as the stallion. I mean, even, even the great secretariat, who yeah, was a, a yeah. not quite a great stallion, was a great broodmare stallion, uh, really a tremendous broodmare stallion. Um, so that his legacy was passed on through through his mares and, and most of his um, you know really good horses like Lady Secret were, were fillies but uh you know this rush to get these horses to stud it just um, it just seems like guys are you looking are you watching the races you don't have to be really good <laughs> anymore it's not like you have to be a superstar to win these races I mean, like I said, the sprint was a subpar race. The dirt mile was, I don't even want to talk about it. But, and, and, and then the classic was won by a three-year-old. You know, and, and the sad thing about Authentic going to stud is, and we've talked about him numerous times, and, and you had identified him early in the year as being a, a potential star horse, is that he seems like he's just getting good. Yeah, even and, even in defeat, he was and, right. He, he was. He, I think he was better in that race than he was in the in the two prior in, in the Derby and in the in the Classic. Yeah, I think that was his best race to date, to be honest. And he didn't even win. Um, I, you know, understanding the economics, I, I get why they do it. It's not like yeah, we're not naive about it. <laughs> you, if you can get as many mares as you can get to him for seventy five thousand, that's that's a considerable amount of money but I mean they're not even hanging around for the Pegasus which seems you know would have natural. seemed to have been uh, an easy you know not an easy race but he would have been a huge favorite in that race especially in a track like Goldstream which would seem to play to his style and, I mean that was kind of one of the the reasons why the Pegasus was was um, was put in that that uh that time frame too was to get a stallion, uh, one last shot at at at, at being a racehorse, one that one last big stake before they have to go to stud. Um, it's not like a mare that you have to kind of get under the lights and get him prepared and get him in heat and all that. And stallions, you send them to the farm, and uh, it ain't too long till they're ready to <laughs> they're ready to roll. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably overblown a little bit in one of the issues of racing. I'd certainly rather see takeout reduce three percent across the board than have uh, authentic run as a four year old. That's um, a, that's actually a quite a quandary. I mean, if you pose that question to, to people on Twitter, I wonder I wonder what kind of reactions you would get. It's it's. Well, you know, the emotional reaction is always going to be, oh my God, I can't believe they're retiring that horse. And see, Because people want to see good horses. And that, that's, that's the thing, is the horse, he, he is a good horse. And, and I underestimated him after the Haskell especially. I thought, well, I just don't know if this horse is going to be able to get 
the classic distance, especially if there's pace pressure, not that there was <laughs> in the last race, but um, he turned out to be like a really good horse, and it's like, God, now, now we're not even going to get to see really what he could do. And if he goes to stud and he doesn't knock get out of the park, four or five years ago, he'll be forgotten. He'll be forgotten. And uh, that that's the thing is is I mean Justify won the Triple Crown a couple years ago and nobody talks about him. Nobody all. talks about him. If it what if it doesn't have anything to do with his court case coming up, it's it's hardly even talked about. And um, he's a Triple Crown winner, dude. <laughs> horse of the year, Triple Crown winner. You know it, it's you fall out of favor quick and and in this year. With the the sales being off thirty thirty five percent, it just it just doesn't seem to phase those people in the breeding business. They just kind of they just kind of buckle down and just push forward. Right. And, I mean, it seems you know just intuitive to be like, well, yeah, the sales are down, you know, thirty five percent. Well, let's run them, and, and then hopefully you know, kind of hope for the best and bounce back. You know, everything bounces back after COVID ends and, and, and we're good to go and he, he's ready to retire. Everybody wins. That's why but. I see this, the second tier, the second tier stallions really are the ones that, I mean, you think about Tom's the top and someone had pointed this out on Twitter that if he had retired last year, he would probably be standing in Maryland or Pennsylvania or somewhere for 5,000 bucks or, you know, He's he's going to the big leagues now because he had a a good year, a solid year, and even though he kind of ended it in, in a not so great fashion, um, you know he had a couple really strong races. His race at Arkansas was was a really good race. Um, you know his his, his uh, Clark, not the Clark, uh, the Stephen Foster was Foster, was, yeah. was was great, his best race ever, and. And and the Whitney, you know, despite the breaking slowly, he he ran a good race, and people kind of looked at him in a different light. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got a he's got stallion offers at a at a far higher scale. And you would think that like people might say, "Hey, my horse is okay, but hey, let next year we can be one of the better horses." And um, we just gotta run, yeah. You know, it's like I just I just wonder where if your horse is. Uh, Again, not not to pick on Echo Town, but all right, Echo Town's going to stud. He's standing for ten thousand. You probably get him for less than that. All right. Uh, two years down the line, what what's gonna where, where's the demand gonna be for an Echo Town baby? Right, unless unless he just comes out firing bullets. <laughs> you know, but th- um, what about that first year, the second year when those babies are babies, and when they're weanlings, and then when they're you know the ten thousand dollar stallions. Though that's the hardest type. Though those are hard. To, to very few of them make it. You know, into mischief is a great case of a horse that dropped down to that level and then you know just had so many winners. He overwhelmed the you know the he had just had so many good horses, one after another that he he clearly is is a, a special stallion and but they're just those just kind of just don't exist and. I shouldn't say don't. They're just so few and far between that um, you would hope that the economics of of potentially bringing one back and increasing your uh, your resume. I mean, think about next year. All right, who who's the big horses for next year? <laughs> Run happy still. 
Oh, no, no, I mean more in the, uh, the like the older horse division. Oh, you mean running? Yeah, um, like like who's 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 there to be scared of? I mean, nobody. Tis the really law is coming back, but he's kind of flatlined his last couple of races, so you know he might bounce back off the layoff and and come back running. Um, but you certainly wouldn't be scared of him, right? I mean, who no, else? Who else is there? Who else is there? I'm sure there'll be some late developers, some late bloomers, some horses that, um, you know, aren't on anyone's radar right now. Maybe King Guillermo can can get in the game and Maxfield. Yeah, Maxfield, right? Some of those other horses, but as of now, that they haven't really accomplished squat. So, um, it's uh, and you know the funny thing is, unlike the trotters and unlike the quarter horses, which are the money is really skewed towards two-year-old racing uh and 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 a little more you know three-year-old racing but not for the older horses at all you know in this business these days there's not there's only a couple big money races for two-year-olds now i mean the money for older horses if you if you could win the dubai race the saudi race and then and actually have them pay you I mean, you're talking about ten million dollars, you know, ten million dollars. That's that, right. that, that's, that, that's that's winning that's twenty so Arlington bizarre. millions. I mean, that's why it's so bizarre. Like, I mean, I you know, in my head, they they could take a lot of that money that's on the table as a four year old for authentic. Like, who else is there? Like you were saying, New York traffic gonna bounce back. Well, the only problem with Authentic is if he kept winning, the poor shareholders, the people that paid the two hundred twenty bucks, they're gonna owe so much money. B. Wayne Hughes is gonna have to to seize their homes or something. <laughs> they're, they're the only people that lose money by winning races. But but, but it's uh you know it's it's one of those things, and this this is not a new this is not a new thing. I mean, it's just this year, this year was a weak year. Overall, the, the turf horses in this country, the older turf horses, were extremely weak. The older dirt division, it was a, an evenly matched group. I mean, there were some nice horses, but they weren't really very good. And I, I think next year we're, we're probably looking at a similar scenario. And the fact that Phillies keep coming back and running, this Swiss skydiver is going to come back as a four-year-old, that um, uh, Monomoy Girl, surprisingly, is going to come back. Um, I mean, those two at least give you two uh, kind of marquee names where the three-year-olds, um, you know, you're, you're not really getting much of, of anything from, from those, you know, at least name-wise, like no one's... And, I'm, you know, like, listen, there's always going to be a Tom's the Top. Um, improbable. I mean, Improbable was just a horse until, well, you know, this year he was winning those races that last year he was running third and fourth in. So it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, but yeah, you know, goes where it goes. Absolutely. So many, you know, that's the thing you, you see. Uh, you get in these debates on Twitter and social media, and, and that everybody wants an answer for everything. And and sometimes there's not just okay, this is what we do. We do this, and this will fix this. Sometimes it just has to work its way out, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of it is like the instant gratification thing, like the, the whole premise of Twitter in the first place, or in general, is instant interaction, instant 
you know, information or whomever you follow, um, what they have to offer instantly. So I think a lot of that seeps into other things when, you know, everybody, you know, wants to believe that there is a, a finite kind of situation on, on every, you know, issue. And it's not always that simple. And it may not be more than one. It may be more than one thing. It may be 10 things, but it's just not, you know, the path is not always just this, this, this. It's not always that simple. I really would like to see the Breeders' Cup kind of um, initiate or try to get some sort of program that pieces together the races to a little bit of a stronger year-end, um, to, to really to make the, the Breeders' Cup a little bit more of a quote-unquote championship race. I mean, we call it the championship races. A lot of times, horses the win get wind up winning the championships, but... Like you, you take the sprint for instance this year, right? The sprint division, and you had a couple um, shooting stars from Mr. Asmussen that um, looked like killers that went out and won a couple races, and uh, like Volatile, who who looked real strong at Churchill and at Saratoga, and then got hurt and he was gone and. Um, Vacoma, who who won a you know the Sir the Sir Shackleford at Gulfstream, which is an ungraded race, and then came back and he won the Carter in, in you know in fancy fashion, then won the Met Mile, though the Met Mile is not a sprint, regardless of people's desire to make one turn mile sprint races, they're not. But um, you know you, you take Whitmore and he had the Count Fleet as his only other graded stake win this year. And then he wins the Breeders' Cup and will probably be sprint champion just based upon the fact that, A, he won the Breeders' Cup, which is the biggest sprint of the year. <laughs> Nobody else ran. And, and, right, and, and he did win the Count Fleet earlier, and he did finish second in, uh, in, one, of the, in, in one of the grade ones. Um, I can't remember the name of the race. They change the names of those sprints all the time. But so, so, you know, he had seven stars, three wins, two seconds, a, a, a decent enough um, resume that you don't feel too badly voting for him. But, I mean, are you going to vote for Vacoma, who has essentially one greatest sprint race victory the whole year? <laughs> no, like, is your sprint champion? It's, uh, I, I would just like to see something that kind of tied in the races together a little more where there'd be some incentive to race against each other prior to just the Breeders' Cup, uh, to develop those kind of rivalries, and, and so we could see these horses run against each other, because that's really the thing, in that, um, y you know, you, you, you see, uh, I guess these days it, it's, a, it's a little different because we, we know so much more about things that happen in other jurisdictions and other places, but uh, you know, it used to be everything was kind of a mystery, and then, even when until I was a kid, like you know, like when I was a kid, the baseball all star game was like this huge deal because number one, there was no interleague play, and number two, like you grew up in, in upstate New York, like I did, you know, you saw the Yankees and you saw the Red Sox and you saw the uh, the Mets, but that was it. That's it. 
then it, you know, and then the Superstation came on, and the Braves games, and then the Cub. But the point was that you you didn't see a lot of those West Coast teams or see those players. The All Star Game was like a a time when you saw those those guys, and and you know, this these days in, in racing we see everything. We see all the races. I mean, horses will run a race, and and the replays up on Twitter, and 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 literally, you know. Seconds. Yeah, like like a few seconds yeah. after. <laughs> it's funny because uh, when I was a kid, um, I used to, well, when my father used to work for uh, Converse, I used to always want him to bring me to the games when, when all those West Coast teams uh, would come into Fenway. And, you know, like Jose Canseco, uh, Mark McGuire, the Bash Brothers, like that was the only time I got to see them. <laughs> Was, was either in the All-Star game or if I was lucky enough to get my dad to take me to the game when they came to town. Yeah, right. I mean, there might be one opportunity a year. And, you know, nowadays we, we see California racing in the East Coast all the time. And um, it's it's kind of a different, different world. But you'd think that we could get a, a series where even if it was every other month, um, kind of a seeded uh, race that was given a little more stature of some sort, just just to try to to have a season of sorts, where you know people can't just pick and choose and kind of duck, 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 and then hope for the best on Breeders' Cup Day. Because that, well, do you think do you think the reason we don't have that is because of complacency, or they just haven't thought it through? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not. The Breeders' Cup has done a good job at expanding the Breeders' Cup uh, weekend. Um, certainly the handle has shown that, the interest has shown that. They've run 14-horse fields all over the place. So I'm not going to criticize them in that way. But I don't know who else would be able to create um, sort of a high-level... Um, not not a league per se, but but kind of a um, just something to tie the races together in some shape or form, whether it be through a bonus, through through something. Uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, but the Breeders' Cup gives away a lot of money to to connections for travel, and. No offense to these people, but these horses are mostly owned by really rich people, and they they find the expense money to travel everywhere else. And I'm not opposed to the Europeans, uh, the foreigners, getting some travel expense because it's extremely expensive to, to come over, uh, and they do want that international competition. And I, I get that. As an American, I understand that you know what uh, it's a whole lot more expensive to fly a horse here from. Um, Europe than it is from New York. Um, and I guess I'm telling other people how to spend their money, but but it just seems like we could have some sort of uh, reprisal of the, the American Championship Racing Series, which, which was a good idea. It was a great idea, really. And it just didn't work because... It's just a racing thing. Like, if nobody can take credit for it, or, or oh my God, this tracks they're doing a little bit more than us, or they're getting a little more percentage, and blah blah blah. You know, there's all that nonsense that we we sometimes forget 
that um, you know the common good can help can help everyone if if we can find something that's really um, a, a big draw, uh, an attraction. Well, it helps everybody. It helps the other tracks simulcasting that. Um, the, those kind of days. They 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 had that. They had the you know the triple treat like here. Races, no, they used to have the handicap, the New York handicap triple crown when we had handicap races, um, but those were all inclusive of, of just of Naira and. I just think that with um, the rise of Kentucky as a circuit, you have three three major circuits. Though California is 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 you know is is in trouble just because the numbers just you know it's it's very there's a lot of issues in Southern California especially. But uh, I, I would just like to see a race in May and June and July count towards something other than just being a race, just having. A race and having you say, well, the win and you're in because the win and you're in for everyone outside of the guy who wins is kind of meaningless. I don't care if you won to win and you're in, or you won the Whitney, you're winning and you're in. Well, you're gonna be in anyways. You won the Whitney, you know. You're not gonna get excluded from the Breeders' Cup. You're in. You just won uh, half a million dollars. So guess what? You got plenty of money and you, you got plenty of credentials. So you're gonna be in. It, it just you know, like, all right, oh, they don't have to pay their entry fee. Well, that's, that, that doesn't affect anyone else other than those connections. And, yeah, I, I get it's the Breeders' Cup, and you want to um, reward owners and, 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 and breeders to an extent. I, I get that. That's fine. You know, like, no worries. But it just seems like um, something that – and you would think it would benefit um, the Breeders' Cup in, in a way where – you would have a rubber match, or you know, these two, three horses had run against each other a couple times throughout the year, and um, the classic is a little bit uh, more. Uh, it's a little tougher because of those spring races, the big money races in the spring. A lot of times, horses go over the to Dubai or now to Saudi, and you might not see them back in action till till late in the summer. And people in California are going to want to stay in California if the Breeders' Cup's out there. And, um, but some of the other divisions, the turf fillies division, some of the turf divisions, um, the sprint division is, is dying for for that. The yes. older the older fillies, um, you know, th those are the kind of race divisions. I think that you could raise the awareness of them and and raise the um, kind of uh, just just create a little bit more of a. Uh, you know, rivalry kind of thing. I don't know. It just seems like there's other things that we can do um, to to try to get these horses together before the just the Breeders' Cup. And it, I don't think that takes away from the Breeders' Cup. I think that adds to the Breeders' Cup. I, th I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, it creates storylines, you know, and, you know, you, like you said, you want to see good horses run against each other, you know? I mean, you kind of get a little bit of that, um, you know, during a normal year at, you know, with, uh, you know, Belmont Stakes Day. That's like a mini Breeders' Cup type day. Um, but other than, outside of that, you, you know, you see people kind of 
not ducking each other, but not running against one another. They're ducking each other. Yeah. Well, and part of that goes back to the you know super trainers of guys having so many, so few guys having so many of the good horses that it's naturally want to keep them apart. And and yet the Breeders' Cup is the one area or the Derby or those kind of you know classic races they can't keep them apart because those are the goal beyond goals. And let's face it, Grade One races are not all created equal. There's you know the Grade One races and then there's Grade One races and you know the Breeders' Cup. Oh, those are grade one races. Those aren't just, you know, grade one races. So, um, it's, it's not going to change the world, but it would be nice to see, uh, to me, it would be nice to see some sort of, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a road to the Breeders' Cup, you know, kind of a thing. You know, like, uh, we have the road to the Final Four and... Oh, yeah. You know, kind of oh, a, that's true. Kind of a deal like that. Um... I wanted to say something about a guy I really didn't like very much. Um, Mr. Uh, Jaime Mejia passed away a few weeks ago. Yeah, I saw that. From uh, complications from COVID. He, he had some health issues. And admittedly, I was, I, was, uh, I was hard on him sometimes because I really didn't think the way he operated was um, a positive nine times out of ten. And uh, <clears throat> I do want to just uh, say that I, I do, you know, give my condolences to his family and, and feel bad that he, he, he passed away. And uh, uh, Frank Generazio, who has been a big owner for years, um, who, who's had a lot of, a lot of great turf horses and those turf sprinters, um, pure sensation and disco partner. He he owned. Um, remember Precious Passion, the the, yes, the Philly Mary absolutely. Hartman train that we used to go to the lead and open up twenty lengths. He owned that horse. Uh, I remember the 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 horse I liked that that he had owned the best was a horse named Concord Mound. Yes. With the green, uh, with the uh, bright orange. Yeah. When they had the the orange diamond silks. Carl Gambardella. I bet him at Saratoga one day. I think I was a senior in high school, and he had come over from Suffolk, and he had won a bunch in a row at Suffolk, and he it was a just a weekday race. It was one of those money allowance races that you you found at Saratoga that were just like they'd be stake Rody. races anywhere else. <laughs> And Carl Gambardella came over to ride, and he was a you know top jock over in New England for years and years. And I don't remember exactly why I loved the horse, but I loved the horse. And he was like three to one morning line, and I remember thinking, I'm betting every penny I can get if I can get anything close to three to one. And I believe he went off at two to one or five to two, and I did, I bet every penny that I had. Literally every penny I had, and it was like the fifth race on a Thursday at Saratoga, and and he won, and he, and he, he won. He, he was really never in doubt. He won pretty easy, and I, I remember that was the like at the time. Uh, that was the first time I ever really bet a lot of money. I think I might have bet two hundred to win on him. Remember, I'm in high school, right? I was making sixty bucks a week, so <laughs> I bet the equivalent of a month's pay on on the on a, a horse and and. Uh, and he won, and 
funny. Uh, back then, those horses used to come. Vinnie Blangs used to come in. Vinnie uh, Blangs, wow. It was when Barkley Tag was still a Maryland trainer. And he, he would come with a horse once in a while. Uh, um, Highland Springs. These guys would ship in with these horses that were at these these B B level tracks, these B tier tracks, and and they'd win. And and you know, you, you got a lot of respect for those. You wound up respecting these guys, thinking you know these guys are really sharp. They're coming up from these other circuits, bringing these live horses and and beating the the, the big boys on their own turf. Yeah, there was a run I think back in the mid to late nineties when you know Rockingham shippers to Saratoga were, was like the thing. They did come in and win a lot. A lot of um, tough, battle-tested horses. Yeah. And then that just kind of faded as <laughs> as Rockingham Park did. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, you know, that whole circuit kind of, you know, fell into hard times where it just got, the racing got so cheap. And, and a lot of guys left. I mean, Ron Dandy trained Concord Bound. He left to go to Philadelphia. Ned Allard left. The, the Colcerises left, uh, Mike Arrow left, uh, you know, guys, uh, Tim Hills, I believe, started there, um, there's, there's quite a few guys that, you know, got their career started in New England that left, and that, it's kind of sad when you think that there really is no more racing in New England, and I, I know they're trying to come up with a track in Boston or, or in Massachusetts somewhere, um, it'd be good if they could do it, but, it, it, it just, so, you know, so far, it, it sounds like, all kind of long shot ideas and you know there's a big pot of money sitting there that's been accumulated through the uh, whatever legislature that gives money to horsemen there but uh, I know back in the in you know during that time like in the mid to late 90s um, there was a annual kind of book that used to come out I think the guy's name that, that used to do it every year was Jim Mazur yeah, right, Jim Mazur. Saratoga Handicapper? Yes, absolutely. Oh, man, that was like my thing. I used to beg my mom to go to Rockingham Park so she could buy it for me so I could, you know, follow along the races and, and see all the angles and, and, and learn and watch. Yeah. On, you know, I used to tape, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before, I used to tape, you know, the, the, uh, the replay shows on what then it was uh, Sports Channel. And then I compare the things that he was saying in the book. I mean, I mean, I just, it's just so much different now than, than then. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, it was like, uh, you know, simulcasting wasn't really widespread. You'd get, you know, those couple of races you would get from, from different tracks, um, you know, in addition to their live card. So it wasn't like it was, it was uh, you know, Every everything was simulcasting. Um, it just it was just a different feel. I don't know if it was because I was a kid, or because the racing was different then, or the game itself was different then. I probably I would say probably a little both because that's that's kind of the thing that I remember growing up, um, stuff like that. Um, but it, it's just not the same feeling anymore. You know, I, I still love it obviously, but it's just not not that. It's just a different feeling now. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think you're right. I think it's probably a little bit of, of, of everything. And, you know, there's no mysteries anymore. Horse breaks his maiden somewhere at Churchill. Like, within five minutes, everybody in the world knows about the horse. 
and you know, like I said, you, you get the video and you see it, and that's 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 great. You know, I, I get it, but there used to be a little bit of mystery about horses coming from other places and and getting to see other tracks and other you know circuits because you knew your circuit inside out because that was all you knew, that was all you got, and um, I, I guess probably you could look at uh, like baseball in, in that way where before teams had interleague and. You know, you just saw the same teams play, and then they kept expanding and kept adding more teams. And you know, now every game's on on TV. It's on the internet. And yeah, I remember the you know the Chris Lincoln show, the Harvey Pack show, the replay show. And it it was uh, it was just a different time. And it's it's sad because it's it it was a great time. And and the irony was that I remember, you know, growing up where we heard about how the 80s and the 90s, you know, they sucked because they, the 70s were great and we had all these triple crown winners and Seattle Slough and how darn affirmed. And I was kind of too young, really, for, for most of that. I mean, I, I remember some of it, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I was sneaking out to get the form. I, I just was too young. But, uh, um, yeah, racing certainly has it's 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 different it's just different in a lot of ways and and uh you know j- just the the number of races i mean you you got uh we've talked about this before how how naira used to be six days a week year round including aqueduct in your track six days a week yep. M- mondays were a lot were, were racing days tuesday was the only dark day and uh you know, we've gotten to the point where California, Southern California, has a hard time with three days a week at at, at Santa Anita at, at times. Um, and you know, business needs Southern California to be strong. It, it's a huge population base. It's it's a huge racing, um, you know, tradition. There's a a, a ton of important races, and uh, you know, I, I worry that that California racing is is really in this spiral and, and and I haven't heard anyone really out there that gives me a whole lot of confidence to to think that the thing's going to get turned around but you know what are you going to do it's life it's like being a Knicks fan <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's not that bad yet <laughs> yeah probably not that bad yet <laughs> being a Knicks fan is like torture like it's so hard to have have faith that, all right, we got this guy, Leon Rose, he seems like he knows what he's doing, he's taking his time, he's quiet, he hasn't been, you know, out in the press, and I'm just thinking, here we go, the draft is Wednesday, and they're going to draft some Lithuanian guy that's on nobody's board, that's going to, you know, it's they like, were looking at who? A, a foreign guy, though, I know they were, I, I saw in the, the quote-unquote mock drafts that he was on their radar. I've seen so many. Name. I've seen so many different names with them. It's. It's. I don't think anyone knows. It seems they this don't. year. This year seems more um, unknown than most. Yeah, and I, I. You know, part of it is that they weren't yeah, able to no scout guys. No. Yeah, you weren't able to scout guys in person, and they, they weren't even. They, they had to interview them through Zoom meetings and stuff. So it wasn't even like you could sit with the guy. And though I've heard that they have been. Like meeting these guys and going to dinner and places, I heard a bunch of guys down here in Miami, because you know things here are a lot less uh, structured than uh, 
you know, the Gestapo up in New York. So, but um, it'll it, it's kind of weird. I mean, we had Chris Paul get traded today to Phoenix, which we knew he was going to go somewhere because Oklahoma City is essentially you know blowing it up. So they're not going to have. Guy makes uh, thirty-six million dollars a year. He's thirty-five years old. Doesn't fit the plans. <laughs> but the uh, you know they, it was that 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 move made sense kind of from both sides. And what what I don't understand is is the Harden to to Brooklyn kind of you know noise in that those those boys all want to get together. I get it. You know I, I understand like you know Harden met with Durant blah blah blah, but. That's kind of... Well, they tried that already, and it didn't work. You're going to have to give away, essentially, everybody else. <laughs> you know? Like, all your other good players. They'll have Joe Harris, and they'll have Kyrie, and Harden, and Durant, and... and Rondé. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean, like, DeAndre Jordan. And DeAndre Jordan is, is a corpse... I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's like a, He's going to be like Jawan Howard. He's like one step away from... He's like one step away from being a zombie. I mean, seriously, he hasn't been like an active good player in like years. And, and, and they brought him over because he was everybody's pal and, and you know, chemistry move. But you, you need guys that can play. And I, I just don't see it. I mean, Harden's 31 years old. Durant hasn't played in two years coming off an Achilles, blown Achilles. And, and, and Kyrie's never sound. He's always... Kyrie's no, like a hurt. Kyrie's like a like a modern day racehorse. He races twice a year, you know. Runs. He's like Vacoma. He, he's like the Vacoma of of, uh, of of the NBA. <laughs> yeah. But that's um, not a compliment. That's not a compliment. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like. I get it because it's the NBA and they do crazy stuff. But I, I just don't see that situation. You know. Zach Lowe from ESPN did a kind of a theoretical, hey, this is what they might be asking for, this is what they might be able to give, and you know, Houston wants a ton. They want a bunch of guys, they want a bunch of draft picks, and if you're the Nets, you already got fleeced by Boston once giving away a bunch of old, you know, a a bunch of uh, draft picks, future picks for for, uh, older guys, and these guys aren't quite as old, but still, it's like all right, when Durant and, and Kyrie and Harden are gone four years from now, like your team is probably going to stink, and that draft pick is going to be Houston's, not yours. I don't know. The mental makeup of, of those three is scary. <laughs> how that Potentially how that could go wrong real quick. I think that's one of those, you know, I, I could get along with that guy. I, I, I give the ball up. You know, it's like every time I think about going north in the wintertime and and I'm looking at snow on TV, and it's like, oh, that looks, uh, that, that's that's pretty. That, that looks nice, man. You know, under, and then you know it gets down to like 55 here, and you like almost freak out. You're like, oh my god, it's freezing. I can't do that. Go up there when it's 12. No, thank you. You know, Harden says, you know, I'll, I'll share the ball. I, I, you know, I don't have to isolate, and then he's gonna, you know, isolate, and who knows what Kyrie's gonna do? And I don't know. It seems. Uh, it's just not the right mix. It would be interesting to see. I just don't know that I, I don't know that it would have success. I don't know that it would have success. But I know what not success looks like, and that's being a Knicks fan. 
because we never have success because we suck. Yeah, maybe this is a good time to take a break. <laughs> I get sucked back in. That's the problem. You know, at least the Russell Westbrook kind of rumors, which were t- supposedly just completely 100% made up. And that's the thing. That's the other thing now with the internet and social media. Like, it doesn't just drive horse racing people crazy. It drives every sport crazy. You, people, you know, burner accounts. <laughs> yeah, the guys make stuff up. They put stuff out there. And all of a sudden, it gets picked up. And then someone kind of, someone with some credibility starts saying, well, I don't know, this kind of makes sense a little bit. And all of a sudden, it's, 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 it's going to happen. It's and, rumors. Yeah. Like it's certified. Meanwhile, it's total lies, totally made up. It's, uh, it's kind of... Somebody somewhere laughing at it. It is. It's kind of crazy, but it it is it is very odd that the NBA trading deadline, uh, or or actually the the opening was today. The draft is Wednesday. The free agency and all that stuff starts next week or Saturday. They start the, a month yeah, from the, now. Right, the, the whole league starts a month from now, and and it's it's the NFL is still going on. College football is kind of going on. No. All the basketball, college basketball coaches are like pleading for them to push the season off because they're they're just thinking this COVID is going to tear them up because, you know, it's it's not like football where you can lose seven or eight guys. You lose seven or eight guys on a basketball team, you don't have enough guys to, to field the team. I mean, Miami, University of Miami almost had uh, had to postpone their game this weekend because they had like 12 guys out. And... Um, they actually, uh, I saw a headline, I didn't um, read the, the article, I saw a headline just a few minutes before we went on, that there are three of their games are rescheduled now to try to buy some time. So yeah, it can get messy with basketball, and especially during this time of year, everything seems to be going up as far as COVID cases, and you know, God forbid anything happens to somebody really bad, then they're really going to be kind of screwed. Yeah, you know, I heard through a very reliable source, and the rumor is that there's a very prominent New York trainer that has contracted the COVID virus. That no one's saying anything in public, but uh, about as prominent as you can get. So yeah, I can see that happening. It, it's, you know, it could happen. You know, that's the thing is like you don't know where it comes from or where how to how it, you know, it just is. It's it's just this. Um, this mystery, but um, it's definitely uh, it's de- it's definitely you know the fact that racing has kind of gone off with a semblance of normalcy the last five or six months since May really. Um, I tell you what, uh, you know, at least as far as COVID goes, it seems like racing kind of handled it properly. You know, they kind of took the break and kind of got protocols together and. It hasn't been too bad. I know the last couple of days, you know, the past week, it, uh, a couple of tracks kind of go down. Yeah, Golden Gate. Yeah. Golden Gate had a big issue. Um, but I think, it, you know, maybe they just got laps on what, whatever it is they were doing. Um, who knows? But, uh, I mean, Naira's been pretty solid since, since they came back. Um Gulfstream didn't really miss a beat. No, Gulfstream missed one day um, out of the whole year. Um, Churchill kind of 
you know, ran their meets. They're, you know, in the process of running their meet now. Keeneland went off without a hitch. The Breeders' Cup went off uh, outside of uh, Christoph Sumian. <laughs> went off without a hitch. Um, it's it's just, uh, you know, just hope that... Hope that things which seem to be turning the wrong way right now, based upon you know, what we're seeing in the news, hopefully we don't wind up in back where we were at the end of March, beginning of April, where everything just gets shut down totally. And uh, it's especially- It's miserable. Looking back at it, it was like, you know, you had Gulfstream running, and then like this, you know, five hour break until like Los Al ran at night. No harness. It, it was it was crazy. It was I I would like a bad dream. It, it'll especially be tough at this time of the year for thoroughbred racing, in that you have so much movement of horses. You have the the horses going to Louisiana for the winter. You have the horses coming to Tampa for the winter. The horses coming to Gulfstream and Payson Park, uh, Palmettos for the winter. Uh, so you, you have that, uh, you know, those horses heading south. And I'll be honest, if I was a trainer these days, I, I'd be pretty much wanting to get out of Dodge and get to where I want to be for the winter ASAP in case things do take a bad do turn. Lockdown, right? Yeah, I, I'd rather be locked down. And, and if, if all I can do is train, I'd rather do that in Miami than New York or Louisville because... Uh, the weather's going to get cold there no matter what. And it's it's just, uh, it's it's one of those great unknowns that we've been able to fight off for, for a long time. But um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and uh, we'll talk about, you know, what, what might happen. All right, we're back. And we were talking about what might happen with the COVID um, if we get a... The COVID. The COVID. That's, that's what we're calling it. The COVID. Um, if, we, if we wind up with a... And hopefully we don't wind up in that situation. But, um, you know, if people can get to where they're going to be, but like I said, there's so much movement of horses this next uh, month. And there, there's horses from up north already headed down here. There's quite a few outfits that have just getting, or just starting to get in, um, to ship in, but, um, you know, Tampa opens, uh, I think next weekend, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they're opening up, and, uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, and, you know, the funny thing is, is, like, I, I was walking down the boardwalk yesterday, and it just seemed like normal, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't even that many people wearing masks, to be honest with you. Yeah, yesterday um, I went down to the beach to see the, the launch, and it was the same kind of vibe. Uh, not many masks, but it's Daytona, so... And I'm not a mask hater. I'm not a person that, like... Like, if you don't want to wear a mask and you're, like... Uh, like people see people at, like, other events or on TV or... And they're, oh, my God, I don't care. I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm not that guy. You don't want to yeah, wear a mask? I'm going to protect that's, myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever that's, they do, they're yeah, going to do. Exactly. <laughs> they, you know what? Like, oh my God. I'm not, you know, like these people that get a little bit too, um, in my opinion, 
on social media, you know, they get too tisk tisk tisk. Oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Oh, this is gonna happen. Is that? Eh. You know what? That's their well, business. Well, they know they know the parameters. They know the deal. If, so. Right. Anybody that doesn't understand what's going on after this this point in time, you know, what are you gonna do? It's just people are always gonna do stuff. Listen, smoking cigarettes kills you. It gives you cancer. At some point, you will get some sort of cancer somewhere. But guess what? People still smoke them. You know. I mean, relentlessly too. I mean, do you well, walk I mean, around and and, and smack the smack the things out of people's hands because they're you know. <laughs> Like when you see a when you see a fat guy at McDonald's, you go tip his Big Mac over and say, you know, eat a salad. Or yell at him for being a Diet Coke. Right. I mean, right. It's like having yeah, McDonald's with a Diet Coke. You know, <laughs> if if there's someone in your own space that's like that, ah, uh, you know, I I could definitely understand why someone would be upset. But you know, people that are thousands of miles away, yeah, whatever they do, they do. That's 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 Chuck's social commentary for the week. <laughs> the Chuck talk for the week. Yeah, you know. Our TED talk is the Chuck talk. Yeah, hey, listen, we might be heading to lockdown. Just worry about yourself, all right? Go buy puzzles and shit. <laughs> you buy toilet paper. Buy <laughs> oh, you toilet can't paper. even buy toilet paper anymore. Now it's like, <laughs> I'm not sure why toilet paper is like the like a. a, a... Hey man, hey, you gotta keep your budget. I mean, I understand why you need it. I just don't understand why. It, <laughs> There's some shortage of it. It's not like there's toilet paper trees can't be cut down anymore, you know? Like, like can't they just make more? <laughs> it just yeah, seems... See, they were doing, like, you know, back in the day when they were doing, like, Nintendo games, they were rationing it, trying to raise the price, saying they didn't have any. So they can, you know, just get, squeeze a little bit more money out of it. The government's controlling the toilet paper, man. And and I'll be that same guy. I'll be the guy that's 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 cursing up a storm, standing in a line outside of Target because I got no more left. Oh man. Oh man, my wife started buying it. We don't even have old racing forms to use, and, and everything's digital now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember my ex-wife used to get after me all the time. She'd be like, "Do we really need to keep all these magazines?" Yes. Yes. Well, why? Well, you never know when I have to look something up. Well, don't they have the internet for that? They do, but, you know. This is different. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have so many shoes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got that lecture right when I got married or right before I got married. With a whole closet full of shoes. You know, <laughs> my ex-wife Paula, she, she had a thing for shoes for a while. And her mom had an apartment in New York City um, that she, like, virtually never went to. So Paula, Paula was living in there for a while uh, after she retired, you know, quit being a jockey because she had got hurt. And literally, you know, they said, if you ride again and fall again, you might be dead. So that was it for her. And I remember the first time I ever went to the apartment with her and I opened up the door to the closet... And and I counted seventy four pairs of shoes. Only seventy four. Yeah, and and I was like, "Do you guys rent this house out to or this apartment out to the 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 Philippines lady, Amelda Marcos? You know, the lady with the <laughs> like, like why? Uh, what's the deal with the shoes? Oh well, you know, a lot of those I bought on on sale. I was like, <laughs> this is a place you you like you don't even like come to very often anymore. Uh, yeah, but- 
just the, the satisfaction of knowing that your shoes are there and you have them is joy. I mm. feel that on, mm. a, on another level. Right. I hear you. I got to wait. Too. I, I, you know, the funny thing is I wound up wearing like the same two pairs of shoes or, you know, I, I busted down and and I bought the old white guy shoes. I, I got a pair of New Balances. The new Balance? And those things are good. The running shoes? Yeah, uh, New Balances, you know, a lot of their shoes are nice. Not those, you know, the the, the dad barbecue kind, but like yeah. the really, there's some really nice ones. The Kawhis, man. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even seen the Kawhis. I've never seen anybody wear them. I've seen them on the internet, but no, never, never, seen never seen them. them. Never seen. Them. I did see. I told you before. I, I did see a guy wearing the, the brand new Kevin Durant's that was uh, begging for money at the <laughs> at the, the entrance of of, of five ninety five or seven uh, ninety five in Pompano. I rolled down my window. I said, "Dude, a little bit of advice. If you want a panhandle, don't wear one hundred and eighty five pound or dollar shoes." Wear flip-flops. You'll do a lot better. Even I'd give you a buck if you had flip-flops on. But Speaking of Pompano, Pompano actually got to open up. Yeah, with no lights for a little while. I saw that. That was pretty lovely. That was unbelievable. <laughs> a track tried to have three opening nights and, and 0 for 3. And then the, the, the scare of the 0 for 4. <laughs> they got it in, though. I actually like somebody. I actually like somebody tonight. I forgot the bet, so hopefully, well, I don't care if it wins or wins. But um, yeah, we had some uh, my favorite type of races tonight. We had the amateur race. Oh, Mariana. Yeah, your girl Mariana Monaco, man. She knocked another one off the other day. Hey, you got the soft hands, man. Hurt, hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings when I bet tail going or Hanover. I actually broke my band to bet tail going or Hanover at nine to one. Got beat a nose, man. Ugh. Oh, you, can't, Ugh. you can't leave Mariana off the ticket, bro. I, I'm I'm bitching to myself as they're going down the backside because the drivers are driving bad and my horse is getting stuck in a bad position. But then I'm thinking to myself, they're not even real drivers. They're amateurs. Of course they're driving bad, Chuck. This is why you know you don't bet these races. But. Oh, actually, the, should have a nice card of racing at the Meadowlands this Saturday, the TVG Finals. So, oh, the the last yeah. hurrah for a bunch of uh, a bunch of these good horses. I think Manchego. I think it's her last race. And uh, I caught fire on uh, on Friday night. I think it wasn't. Maybe it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday night. I just caught fire the last half of that card. I, I know you were, I, you were. You were. I you, couldn't lose. I was in a zone. I saw I you. Like, I, I felt like Yannick. Go to the lead and improve your position. There you go. That's it. Yeah, well, it seems like, for at least in the thoroughbred side, the kind of a quiet couple of weeks until uh, Thanksgiving weekend when we get the Churchill races and Naira has, uh, has their kind of last hurrah, the Naira mile or cigar mile with a couple of the other undercard stakes. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, um, what is it, the uh, the preview day at Gulfstream Park West? It wasn't actually that bad. It, you know, I think if, if it didn't, you know, if it wasn't sloppy and off the turf, it probably would have been a lot better. You know, it's amazing. 
how many days they've been off the turf there. This yeah, year. this is ridiculous. It's, like, it's just incredible, and, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's and just, there's no end in sight. It just, <laughs> it's, it's supposed to actually be windy here the next few days. It's supposed to, it was hot today. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's supposed to be windy, but tomorrow it's supposed to rain again. And it's just been just it's incredible. And, and it's like the timing as well. It's not like it, it rains the night before, you know, after the races. It always races, it always rains in the morning or downpours the night before where you come in and there's puddles everywhere. It's like just Time, crazy. Man, it's the racing gods crying because BPW is going away. And, and then, you know, you have the issue at... Uh, at Churchill, where they've canceled turf racing, probably it sounds like for the season, though they said for a week. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee them bringing it back. I've heard a lot of different things about. You know, you know the racetrack is always going to have you're going to get a lot of different uh, rumors and innuendos and things like that, but the proof there was just too many horses getting hurt at a certain point in the racetrack and. I'm not really sure how they go back and and, and open it back up. Um, a place like Churchill probably can get away with, um, for whatever reason, they seem like they have more dirt races there than turf races compared to other jurisdictions, New York and Florida, especially where where the turf races just dominate. But um, it's it's kind of a very unusual situation there where having this Churchill meet and with no turf races and um, I was talking to a trainer today and they were saying that uh, I've got a maiden and they're trying the two-year-old horse ready to roll and just strictly a turf horse and trying to figure out where to send the horse um, just to get that maiden you know tried to get the maiden broke and thinking New York maybe but I see yeah, you go to New York the weather might change up there too it's hasn't exactly been yeah, they they had the that that bizarre hurricane weather that came through Cleveland and New York and into the football game in New England last night. Um, so it's not like mid November and late November in New York is any great shakes with the weather. But uh, but I, I know a lot of trainers here who have just like struck out. And my old assistant Susan Ditter, she wound up winning another race on uh, uh, Sunday. Never in doubt with uh, a horse that she had claimed um, Robin taking charge it, it's actually better on the dirt I mean the horse is a better dirt horse than he is a turf horse and I, I remember when New York first started the the, um, the MTOs the master of the MTO was Gaspar Moshera oh, yeah. he was the first guy to really um, to understand that a, 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 a solid, a solid dirt horse against turf horses was just like, uh, was, was, yeah, sit. They were sitting ducks for him, and um, you know, so she's she's won two in a row, or two in a row in that horse, and and uh, the third, or the first start that she had at that meet was a second, close second. So, all all of them off the turf. It's it's uh, so it, you know sometimes people do benefit from from that, but. Uh, but I know that the handle numbers have suffered somewhat, and because you're getting a smaller field size, obviously, when you take these races off the turf, even the cheaper races or some horses just cannot stand up on the dirt. It's just a waste of time to run them, um, and it's just the way it goes. It's it's been a very unusual uh, 
extremely wet winter down here, or excuse me, a uh, fall here. I mean, we wish there's still hurricanes going. Uh, I think another hurricane hitting uh, in Central America. I mean, it, it's it's as late in the hurricane season, so I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to come up here and bother us at all. But but there's been a crazy amount of rain, and uh, it's uh it's just too bad because uh, you know that that. That seems like it's going to be it for Calder, and uh, it would have been nice to be able to use that turf course right to the end. But I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to be able to get out of it, uh, even at this point. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And that's it's just it's I know it's, you know talking earlier about you know racing in the old days, and that if you had two turf races on a day, that would kind of be like normal. If you had more than that, it would seem like a lot. And I remember New York especially um, they would run at Saratoga a little more because uh, it just seemed like they, they would use the turf, the turf courses there a little harder than they would at, at Belmont. Uh, of course, you know, back then we were talking about uh, a one-month meet. Days. Yeah, we, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, you know, 24 days when I was, you know, when it first started. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the... the, the the rise of turf racing in this country has has changed so much, and uh, it's it's uh, you just at that risk when you do get these spats of, of bad weather that you just get you know, crushed. And uh, the one thing down South Florida that differs from some of the other bigger circuits is that handle is the main source of revenue here. Not slots. The slot machines, uh, the slot income that we get for purses at Gulfstream from Gulfstream Park West and from from Gulfstream itself is is minuscule compared to everywhere else. It's it's a pittance, uh, and we'll probably be losing that at that Gulfstream Park West money when uh, we no longer have any races over there. So. Um, it field size and, and and those kind of things are are you know extra important here, but there's just not much you can do when when you get the amount of rain and it's not just rain it's just these deluges where it just seems like yeah, it's, it's complete downpour. <laughs> just just crazy rain, just nuts. But um, you know the the championship meet coming up, uh, they were intending on having. I think 50% capacity, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure what capacity is at a track like Goldstream. It's not like a traditional track that has a bunch of seats and stuff. So I don't really know what that number is. But um, yeah, how are they gonna temper that? <laughs> well, honestly, most days it's probably not a big issue. Um, but I don't know with things kind of heading south. On the COVID front, I, I don't know if that's going to be skewed or adjusted or, or, or what, but uh, I really don't know. And, and uh, I mean, it, it's it's crazy, but it's only a couple weeks away. The claiming crown is is uh, what three weeks away, and um, there is no Caribbean Classic this year, which is a shame because that's oh, turned wow. into like a really cool day. But uh, that that's they postponed that because just you know having people move. Uh, all those people coming from different countries and stuff, it just didn't seem like uh, 
and, and well, the crowd was half of the attraction. Yeah, that that would that would have been the one day it would have been tough to kind of temper the crowd. But um, even the Pegasus, I mean, the Pegasus. Oh man, don't even say that. That hurts my feelings. The Pegasus without fans is is kind of a not a great uh, not a great thing. So I I haven't heard what Churchill plans on doing with New Orleans. I haven't heard what Tampa plans on doing yet. So, and I guess everything is going to be up to, you know, the situation that uh, the individual place, you know, states and counties and well, cities are say, in. If, if anybody's going to stay open and just do whatever, it's going to be Florida. Uh, no, that's true. I, the, you know, when we had the trouble, um, when the COVID first kind of, the first wave hit, it was one local official, a minor league of minor leagues, a vice mayor, which I, I didn't even know what that was, um, who was determined to try to shut down Gulfstream for some reason known only to her. Yeah, she wanted to find Gulfstream right every day they were open. It, it was like this, I, I wasn't really understanding like what she, you know, kind of, Billy Badgett did a great job having to deal with her because... She just was kind of unreasonable, and she said silly things. And said, "Do you realize how many people live at Gulfstream now? Like they're not going to move. The backside, all those help, all those workers. They they live there. That's their that's that's where they live. They're not going to be anywhere else. You know. Right. So, like, same thing as being alive. Right. I said the horses have to be taken care of. Someone's going to go take care of them. If if we can race and and virtually no one else from the outside has to be affected at all, so you know the stewards are up on the top, they're on the roof. The announcers on the roof. The 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 camera people are way up away from everybody else. You're talking a very small number of people that outside people that would be um, brought into the situation. I mean, racing does have that luxury of of not needing seven hundred people to to put on a production um, that other sports don't have that luxury of. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins have been, uh, the last two weekends have been short four or five assistant coaches because of COVID protocols. Um, it, and it's, 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 uh, you know, it's just one of these situations that it's hard to, it's hard to know what's going to happen, but hopefully we can keep racing because it's it's a very very tough thing when we when we stop racing for for uh, one of the safest bets you can make that if let's just say the whole country kind of goes one by one into a lockdown scenario Florida will be the last one to do it <laughs> no, I, I guarantee that this is probably true this is definitely true. I mean, Florida's kind of a rogue state in a lot of ways anyways, but... Uh, right, exactly. And in, in all kinds of ways. <laughs> yeah, you're right, exactly. <laughs> but um, hopefully uh, hopefully it works out. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but... Uh, I just want to go to Pegasus. You can lock down just like they did it last year, right after that. <laughs> just, just Except this year, I don't want to end up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that, we're try, try to avoid that situation. Hospitals never are fun, especially not fun during this nonsense. 
Anyways, Barry, it's been it's been real. Keep on. I know you've been. I've been I know you've been doing well lately at the windows. So keep on firing through. That's what I do. Shoot a shoot. I, I, I actually I hate to even admit this, but I actually bet the wrong horse yesterday and a pick three and caught or a pick four and it cost me. Oh, <laughs> that's hurtful. Wasn't like a life changing score, but it sucks when you think you have it and then you look and like shit. I didn't no, want to bet I that horse. I wanted to bet this horse. Yeah, but I got I can't blame the ticket puncher because the ticket puncher was me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing you have no one else to blame when you're playing on your ADW because it's just you're the only one pushing the numbers. So, yeah, you know it happens. Like I said, it, what, it, it wasn't a life-changing score, but uh, it is a little bit annoying when you think you won and you didn't. <laughs> when, yeah, that's a, that's when, a gut punch. When you when you, you you click on that balance and it's the same, like, hey, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I won. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, but then you have those days, like I had once at Orlando Highlight, where I handicapped one track, bet another, and still hit the pick four. It's like, it's like that old saying, you should make a bet every day because you never know when you'll be walking around lucky. Man, I, I, I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> and the, the one that I should have played didn't hit. Like you said. So, the, you know, the track that I should have played that same pick four at lost. You, sh <clears throat> you, should, have, you should have played Powerball that day. <laughs> Trust me, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only so much good luck to go around, right? True. Well, you have a good week, and uh, we'll be back next week. We'll see what happens in... Uh, in the in, in the world of racing and what kind of uh, what kind of nonsense happens the next uh, week maybe it'll be quiet maybe it won't uh, it won't be quiet something crazy is going to happen this is 2020 man but I'm in full lockdown on Wednesday for, prepared for the draft okay that's what's up yep this is important well it's important to to, to us sick Nick people but <laughs> no Kevin Knoxes this year. No Knoxes. No Knox. No Knox. I'm down with that. No Knox. No Dennis Smith Juniors. Oh my God. <laughs> That's like a given. You Den would think. Dennis Smith Jr. was like a horse that broke his maiden for maiden 25 by like 7 and everybody got all excited and then they put him in a stake and he got beat by right. 37 lengths, and everybody's like, ooh, what happened? No. He's the anti-maximum security. He is. <laughs> he is. He's the anti-maximum security. Uh, I'll remember that one. All right, Barry. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, as always. Always a pleasure, my man. You Thanks for it. having me. Bye. Bye. Was... The great Barry Spears. And uh, we will be back. I'll be back tomorrow. I have Going in Circles live tomorrow afternoon. And um, next week we'll have a couple shows. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. Hopefully we have more to talk about because there's not a whole lot going on raising. But um, 
you never know. I appreciate you guys listening and uh, tuning in. And, and if you have any feedback at all, negative, positive, listen. Uh, any any ideas, anything you want us to talk about, anything you want me to look up, find out, just email at goingcirclespodcast uh, at AOL.com, excuse me, gmail.com. Um, you can check out the website at goingcirclespodcast.com. Or you can also hit me up on Twitter at Canon Shell or on any of the Facebook pages, Going in Circles Podcast, Going in Circles, or Charles Simon. Um, I'm pretty, pretty easy to find. So, till next week, or actually, unless you're a regular, till tomorrow. Thank you for listening.